0: Okay, so we were talking a little bit about um, some of your hesitation about living living in Cairo and mm-hmm. some of the stories you had you had received before mm-hmm. going there, um, and I just um, had asked you to explain a little bit to me why why Cairo in particular was stressing you out as mm-hmm. a gender nonconforming or trans person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you love to travel you're open to mm-hmm. connecting with other people and other cultures and and so i wanted you to yeah. talk a little bit about about that especially because you you went you know as the revolution was was just starting to to um come to light yeah Get a hashtag. acquiring I mean, hashtag.
1: so that first month, you know, like I said, I was I was really preoccupied with how I was being perceived and like measuring up to those perceptions, and f- uh, you know, I f- I was having these anxiety dreams, and I finally told my partner, and my partner was like, "But why? Like, what's the worst that would happen if they suddenly?" realize that you are something different than they thought you were and I was like that's right because I felt like actually it was my Brooklyn training that made me so paranoid in Cairo because it was like in Brooklyn if you're discovered for something other than what someone sees you at even as even if it's entirely their process of guessing what you are um Realizing that you don't match what they guess, they they go through this whole process, but it's seen as this utter betrayal somehow, or the the you know this like arrogant act of defiance or something. Like it's taken very personally, and um, I realized that like people in Cairo weren't necessarily going to respond in the same ways. So if those guys in the cafe were suddenly like wait a minute you know your voice is a little bit higher and wait are you you know um i have to tell you a funny story actually um this is this was the best um you know of course like if if i measured a lifetime of questions i've been asked by strangers probably the most common question would be are you a boy or are you a girl um I get it all the time, all over the world in a lot of different ways. Um, But I was in a taxi in Cairo and the driver keeps looking back at me, keeps looking back at me and I know it's coming, you know, I know it's coming and he's like, are you a boy or a girl? And I just kind of like shrug and like look out the window because I'm like, why the hell does it matter? Just take me where I'm going. Uh, And then he sort of answers his own question. He goes, I think you're a girl, right? Girl, I think you're a girl. And then he's like, it's just that, you know, it's just that those and he like gestures over my chest, you know, his chest area being like, it's just like those, those are so small. So I couldn't tell. And then he was like, what do you, how do you, what do you, what do you call them in English? And in a divine moment of brilliance, the word that pops out of my mouth is Penis. And he goes on for 20 minutes about how his wife's penis used to be really small. And then they got married and now her penis is much bigger and how he loves her penis. And like he goes on literally for 20 minutes and I'm dying in the backseat. Like I I get out of the car and I'm all smiles when I would have been like devastated, you know, like or not devastated, but just like annoyed and pissed off and frustrated and whatever and like instead I'm like cracking up wondering if he's gonna go home to his friends and tell them all about penis you know like he's gonna spread this and you know I was just like that to me was a moment where I just felt like that's how I need to respond (laughs) to these absurd rules and regulations and moments of confusion, and like (laughs) why can't they all end up like that um so you know Um, I think I, I got to a place where I was okay with being, like, I just, I got, I learned how to relax into it. Like, okay, I'm, I'm living in a different, um, landscape, but people aren't gonna like pull out their gun and shoot me like in Brooklyn where like, if, if I don't match what they think I am. Right. So, um, i i relaxed into it and then a few months later the revolution broke out and you know it started on jan 25th um 2011 um and jan 25th i went to the museum with my partner and we were coming back and it's this holiday called police day and there were tons of police around so we were like maybe there's just police around because that's what happens on police day and then we saw some people like some protesters running and we were like oh, something seems different i don't know what's happening um and we heard that something had sort of started and then the next day we had to we had a conversation about going downtown to where our friend Dina ran a hotel to see if we sh- we were going to join in some protests and i was like I was actually really nervous about joining because i was like if i'm scared of a u.s prison i'm doubly scared of a cairo prison i don't speak the language i'm like what's gonna happen to me like i'm just imagining all the bodily harm and the psychic harm and then i realized like my partner who's uh you know um female identified um black American woman, um, who had only been living in Cairo for a year more than before I got there. Um, you know, she was really brave and she was just like, let's do this. We have to do this. Let's go see what's happening. And like, but with a respectful, like also recognizing this isn't our fight necessarily, like what role are we going to play? Like we should be there to witness, to support, but we're not really on the front lines of this, like, you know, with a complex understanding of our role as outsiders. Um, but she was just so, like, unafraid. And I realized that all the harm I was thinking about that could happen to me, whether bodily or psychic, could happen to her just as easily. And that uh, she didn't care. She was, like, ready to do it, you know? And, um... And that was it. I was like, okay, let's go see what happens. And every time we went out there, it it became less and less scary. You know, like, I mean, it wasn't like we weren't constantly thinking about safety and stuff. And it wasn't like there weren't some really scary moments. Like one of the scariest moments was actually yeah, anniversaries next week. It was um, March 8th, International Women's Day. So there was like a, a women's protest happening in Tahrir and I was photographing because I was photographing in Tahrir all the time it was really interesting because there was a counter protest uh, of men largely who had been bused in and there were women and a few male allies and then all these men and the men were chanting stupid shit like get back in the kitchen and stuff but there were also some interesting conversations happening across across the line and I was walking up and down in the line between the men and the women. <laughs> at one point, I was like, wow, this is literal, <laughs> you know? And I was taking, because I was taking photographs of both sides. And at some point, the like energy of the thing built up to a crescendo and the men charged. And like the women scattered and then regrouped, angry and st- stressed and scared. And I was in a circle with friends of mine, um, and we were trying to protect them. So I was clearly aware I was being ID'd as male, so I wasn't being attacked or groped, but my friends and my partner were. Like my partner was like twenty feet away from me at one point, being like, "Get the fuck off of me!" While all these people were on her, um, you know, we were we were <laughs> uh, linking arms. I was linking arms with other male friends, like, surrounding them, like, trying to keep people off of them. And we were trying to move rapidly across the square to find a place to sort of hide. And we were actually being chased um, by a group. And we ended up taking shelter in a, uh, a travel agency or something. And then finally, actually, the army came and blocked the door. At some point, the army was actually helped us that day. Um, and, um, and then we jumped in a cab and, um, got, went to Dina's hostel afterwards. But, you know, it was, it was a really, like, interesting moment where how I was ID'd, impacted, how I was treated in the, in the melee. Um, but during, during the days in Tahrir where, um, the first, you know, like three weeks where, Uh, before Mubarak stepped down like entry to the square was based on like they had securities set up and it was gendered so like I was always negotiating gender getting into those spaces getting out of those spaces and um, always trying to figure out what's what was the safest thing for me to do what was the smartest thing for me to do and the answer was often different
0: did it ever occur to you in that context where your cis female partner yes cis cisgender yeah female partner was um getting harassed um and grabbed and that sort of thing did it ever occur to you that there might be an expectation for you to have a macho response um you know, in those kinds of spaces, when, when um, men are harassing, uh, yeah, you know, was that? Did you ever feel that that was expected? I mean, I'm, I would be interested. No, expected of you. At, I
1: mean, no. Or was
0: that ever that kind of baiting? Or,
1: no, I mean, a she's like taller than me and a total badass and perfectly. Uh, perfectly fine taking care of herself in a street harassment kind of situation. Half of the time we didn't know if they were saying insulting things because we didn't understand those words particularly in Arabic, so it made for an interesting thing. They could have been harassing us, but we didn't know. Um, Also, you know, like she's very familiar with me and I'm not very macho in those ways at all. Um, And But in this particular situation, all the male allies were in defense mode. We weren't like punching people. Although my friend Dina did punch some guy and she was like, I've never punched a guy before. That felt so good, (laughs) you know? But like Dina, I mean, she like knocked him out. But like the rest of us, we were just like literally blocking, using our bodies to, like I was shoved around like crazy. And I was like, what if they feel something that's not supposed to be there or whatever? But, like, whatever. Egyptians have, like, Egyptian men have bigger chests than me. <laughs> so I was like, I, I soon learned that, too. That was reassuring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely not expected from her or anyone, like, in any situation but particularly in that situation where we were just trying to get out safety, safely um you know there were that was probably one of the few like identifiable scary bad moments most of the experiences we had were overwhelmingly positive and like people were taking care of each other and supporting each other and i had from young boys to old men like looking out for me and taking care of me so I didn't feel that sense of like protection every day you know but in that moment in the chaos and the sort of mob feeling of the moment like I definitely was just trying to protect that's cool yeah
0: um we covered a lot of I know. I'm uh, to think.
1: Talk about my family a little bit, if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's um. I like when you were saying earlier that, you know, you're a gender immigrant. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking a little bit about that as we were talking about your travel experiences. But, yes, yeah, something that I did want to ask, um, given the space that you were, you sort of had as a as a child to be a little bit. At least a little bit gender and non-conforming in school and and elsewhere. Um, I am wondering how, you know, what what your family uh, family's response to to how you wanted to be in the world was when you were when you were a child. That you had this, you know, flexibility at at school, you know. And so, if you could talk a little bit about that, yeah, um, throughout your life
1: changed or evolved yeah I think it's two things that allowed me to get away with everything I got away with and continue to get away with um one is my parents own history and two is that I from a young age became the boss of my family so um my parents were chose each other at a time when that really wasn't done. They had a love marriage. They met each other in grad school. Um, They were from different parts of the country, different caste, different class, different... My dad was younger. Um, It just wasn't done. And even in their own families, their younger siblings, both families, got married after them in arranged marriages. So they didn't even change their own families but they broke the rules. So I always knew <laughs> they broke all the rules. Like there's no way they can expect me to follow rules if they broke all the rules. So I always had that to throw back at them. Um, and, and I think also just the fact that they broke all the rules and they were just naturally as progressive and liberal, um, and even radical, um as they are like just they they didn't have a lot of rules uh for us growing up um like I didn't have a curfew and things like that like even when I was in high school I mean I didn't go anywhere (laughs) because I didn't have anyone to go anywhere with anything much to do but the few times I did go somewhere like they wouldn't have like even stayed up they didn't you know like they wouldn't have been waiting for me to get back or anything like that um and the the part about me being the boss um you know I um whether because of a power vacuum in my family which is true or because of my own personality I soon became just clearly the boss of the family so I made I make all the decisions uh and to this day like they'll be you know if we're going on a holiday or something I I can pick where we go, and I'm, like, responsible for all the things. Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest, um, and my sister was born when I was five, and I named her, and my brother was born when I was 12, and I named him, and then I named myself when I was 30, so my parents didn't get to name anyone. I, I actually threatened them recently that oh, I would parents? I would rename oh. them. <laughs> I was going to rename them, so... <laughs> <laughs> Take away all the naming rights. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so in that way, my parents have always been kind of accepting and open and whatever. I um, came out as liking girls also uh, to my mom when I was 20. Um, and, you know, she she wasn't shocked. She didn't, you know, she was still like she started laughing actually and I thought she was having a nervous breakdown and she ran into the bathroom and she was like I was like what happened she's like I was listening to NPR and they were talking about how the gay gene comes from the mom and I was like uh do you have something to tell me you know and then she prompt she told me a story about how in college everyone thought my dad was gay Uh, and then she told me about how when I was a kid and um, my aunt would take me to the toy store. I would always pick the truck and not the doll. And I was like, mom, we're not on Oprah. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You don't need to tell these stories. That means nothing. That truck means nothing uh, about who I want to sleep with. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, they had always seen me throughout my life, sort of gender non-conforming and, um, you know, there was there were moments, I remember once we were in the hospital parking lot when we had gone to visit my grandfather or something, and my mom noticed that I had, like, men's underwear on or whatever, or, like, peeking out over my shirt, and she was like, what's that? You know, or something, and, like, um, if she noticed, like, that I didn't shave my armpits or, like, my legs or, you know, like, there were all these different moments where she just sort of started to see that, like, oh like this is just how you are and then um you know i've told her like i actually like i'm less preoccupied with pronouns um most people in my new york life use male pronouns um still a lot of people in my india life use female pronouns and that can be hard um but my grandmother, who's my only remaining grandparent, calls me by my chosen name and has for years. And, you know, um, so, so does my family. And that's more important to me. And actually, the other thing that's more important to me is I hate, I hate, like, role words. Like, aunt, daughter, sister, like, um, wife, you know, like, I don't know why. Those words bother me much more than a she- so I've tried to like train like a my siblings to use sibling and my mom to use my kid you know like so I've worked hard on like shifting those words and my siblings use you know both pronouns here and there my dad you my dad's been throwing in some he's um my mom's still mostly on female pronouns but like You know, like I feel pretty full acceptance. You know, they've met partners of mine, they've met friends. They've, whenever my mom comes to New York, I make her cook up a feast and invite like 20 friends. Um, Top tier priority queer and trans South Asian friends because they need some South Asian cooking. Second tier (laughs) queer and trans friends of color in general third tier south asian straighter says you know friends so it's like um you know um a way for her to meet the people in my life and the way for people I feel like a lot of our queer and trans community here in New York it's not doesn't feel intergenerational we don't have old people we don't have kids you know and it's important to be around kids and be around older people and like everyone's really happy when my mom comes to visit and she has to learn people's pronouns and she has to you know and it's just part of um the process for bringing them along on it's my journey you know I can bring them along in some ways and some places and I don't need them to get understand everything and accept everything and like they're they they love me pretty unconditionally and generously so I feel I feel good about those relationships they have a lot like it's like what else can I do I mean it's the queer thing and the trans thing and the artist thing (laughs) and the like you know like I feel like I keep pushing every button in a South Asian immigrant families <laughs> don't do list and they still still adore me. So um I'm not sure what I can do next to piss them off, but <laughs> I'll keep trying. <laughs> um nah. yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I kind of a nice that I think that's might be a nice place, a nice note to sort of end yeah. on. Yeah. That nice feels food good for thought. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Sabello.
1: Sure.